Welcome to the stream with me, Jefferson. This is the Daily Anime Podcast. This is our Sunday morning anime sermon special. And um, this is our first ever that we're doing. And I'm doing this because, you know, growing up in Oklahoma in the Southern Baptist household, this was like the ritual we do every morning. And we would just get up, go to Sunday school, and then sit through a sermon and then I would like want to play Game Boy. I have a lot of memories of playing Pokemon <laughs> in church, like in the back. And my mom would be like super ashamed and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I figured, hey, it's Sunday morning. I'm awake. Anybody who's online might want to hop in and see an episode. So I guess we'll continue this Christian ritual of uh, anime sermon where I... Uh, talk about an anime and uh, a preachy anime and um, extol its virtues towards you, the audience, and uh, get you to live that way. Um, the anime today is a movie. It's the Dragon Ball Super movie, uh, Broly, uh, the one that just came out and it's actually screening in the U.S. So if you're in the U.S., you should go check it out. Uh, it's it's really really good however you feel about the dragon ball like series um with like you hate it for like all the dragon on whatever whatever you know um infinite filler the movies are not filler the movies are just a lot of fun so um i didn't watch the other dragon ball super movies um i just didn't i just didn't get around to it and um i just saw that this was screening and you know my policy is if it's in theaters, go watch it if you can, because that's awesome, being able to see anime on the big screen. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, we do have one ritual before we get into the anime review, and it's a new ritual where I read passages from uh, A Thousand Plateaus. It's a book by Giles Luz and Felix Guattari. A uh, Thousand Plateaus, the subtext is, well, that's whatever little text is title capitalism and schizophrenia this is the brian masumi translation i'm going to be reading from chapter 10 um on page 272 uh, memories of a molecule so this is going to start off the sermon right <clears throat> becoming animal is only one becoming among others a kind of order or apparent progression can be established for the segments of becoming in which we find ourselves becoming woman becoming child becoming animal, vegetable, or mineral, becomings molecular of all kinds, becomings particles. Fibers lead from one to the other, transform one into the other as they pass through doors and across thresholds, singing or composing, painting, writing, having no other aim to unleash these becomings, especially music. Music is traversed by a becoming woman, becoming child, and not only at the heart, at the level of themes and motifs, the little refrain, children's games and dances, childhood scenes, instrumentation and orchestration are permeated by becoming's animal, above, uh, above all becoming's bird, uh, but many others besides. The lapping, wailing of molecular discordance have always been present, even if instrumental evolution with other factors is now giving them growing importance. 
as the value of a new threshold for a properly main, uh, properly musical content. The sound molecule, relations of speed and slowness between particles, becomings animals, plunge into becomings molecular. This raises all kinds of questions. In a way, we must start at the end. All becomings are already molecular. That is, become, because becoming is not to imitate or identify with something or someone, nor is it proportion to formal relations. Neither of these two figures of analogies is applicable to becoming, neither the imitation of a subject nor the proportionality of a form. Starting from the form one has, the subject one is, the organs one has, or the functions one fulfills, becoming is to extract particles by which one establishes the relation of movement and rest, speed and slowness that are closest to what one is becoming, and through which one becomes. This is the, se the sense in which becoming is the where was it? is becoming is the process of desire. This principle of proximity or approximation is entirely particular and reintroduces no analogy whatsoever. It indicates as rigorously as a possible a zone of proximity or co-presence of a particle, the movement into which any particle that enters the zone is drawn. Lewis Wolfson embarks on a strange undertaking, a schizophrenic he translates as quickly as possible each phrase into his, in his maternal language into foreign words with a similar sound and meaning. An anorexic, he rushes to the refrigerator, tears open the packages, and snatches their contents, stuffing himself as quickly as possible. It would be false to believe that he needs to borrow disguised words from foreign languages. Rather, he snatches from his own language, verbal principles that no longer belong to the form of that language, just as he snatches from food elementary particles that no longer act as form of nutritional substances. These two kinds of particles enter into proximity. We could put it this way. Becoming is to emit particles that take on a certain relations of movement and rest because they enter a particular zone of proximity, or it is um, to emit particles that enter the zone because they take on those relations. The Hague City is inseparable from the fog and mist and depend on a molecular zone or corpuscular space. Proximity is a notion at once topological and quantal that marks a belonging to the same molecule, independent of the art subjects considered and the forms determined. Scherer in, I don't know, Hulk Kingham made this essential point in the reconsideration of the problem of wolf children. Of course, it is not a question of real production as if the child really became an animal, nor is it a question of resemblance as if the child imitated animals that really raised it, nor is it a question of the symbolic metaphor as if the autistic child that was abandoned or lost merely because a nearly became the analog of an animal. Scherer and Hockengem are right to expose this false reasoning, which is based on a culturalism or moralism upholding the irreduci uh, irreducibility of the human order. Because the child has not transformed into an animal, it must only have metaphorical relation to it induced by the child's illness or rejection. For their, mo for their own part, they appeal to the an objective zone of indetermination or uncertainty, something shared or indiscernible, a proximity that makes it impossible to say where the boundary between human and animal lies. Not only in the case of autistic children, but for all children, it is as though independent of evolution carrying them forward toward adulthood, there were rooms in the child for other becomings, the contemporaneous possibilities that are not regressions but creative volutions, bearing witness to an inhumanity immediately experienced in the body as such, 
unnatural nuptials. Outside the program body, there is a reality of becoming animal, even though one does not in reality become animal. It is useless, then, to raise the objection that the dog-child only plays with the dog within the limits of his formal constitution and does, not, uh, and, uh, does nothing canine in another human being could have not have done if he or she had desired. If what needs to be explained is precisely the fact that all children, and even many adults, do it to a greater or lesser degree, and in doing so bear witness to an inhuman connivance with the animal, rather than an Oedipal symbolic community. Neither should it be thought that children who gaze or eat dirt or raw flesh are merely getting the vitamins and minerals they need. It is a question of composing a body with the animal, a body without organs, defined by zones of intensity or proximity. Where does the subjective indetermination or indiscernibility of which Scherer and Hockenheim speak come from? An example, do not imitate a dog, but make your organism enter into composition with something I can't, I should probably stop. I've been going on for 10 minutes. Uh, I'm going to stop on page 274, and this is the first paragraph. I'm going to mark it, and next week we'll continue from here. Um, an example, do not imitate a dog. But, uh, yeah, I really like losing Atari. I always wanted to read it aloud on the podcast, and uh, I actually think it relates quite well to a lot of the, like, I guess this might be kind of root logic-esque, but, uh, kind of the RPG-esque elements of, like, Dragon Ball, you know? Like, I guess, maybe I just think too much like a gamer, but in Dragon Ball, you know how, like, the Saiyans can turn into the monkey if they, like, stare at the moon for too long, and how, like, a bunch of Saiyans just, like, cut off their tails. Some Saiyans keep their tails, other Saiyans just, like, cut it off. Um... And that's because, you know, the monkey is just too strong. But they only use the monkey transformation when it's like a last resort because it's just like too wild. But uh, I guess there's like a notion, there's a level of like indeterminacy between like child and animal because, I mean, they can also literally become animal. Um, the losing Atari's notion of becoming animal is really more just like a rejection of just like this whole notion of like a symbolic um, imagined community, right? That of the human realm, and they want to focus more on um, other ways of becoming that are not locked into humanity. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, I mean, like, you can obviously use this as like a flexible way to describe a lot of anime, right? Like. Um, Goku has to become human. Goku has to become an adult. Like, how um, children have to, like, become human. Um, children have to, like, become adults. And, like, there's a process of maturation um, that just, like, differs from location, right? And obviously in this world, right, like, you have, like Goku's from Earth. Earth is supposed to be peaceful, it's like a nice neighborhood, <laughs> um, nice rural community, um, and then you have, like, Frieza's empire, where he just wants to fight everybody so he can become the strongest and, like, control the universe, um, but, uh, yeah. I guess I can move on to the actual review, um, there are probably some ideas I might want to steal from that reading, uh. But yeah, that's going to be a pretty big part of uh, Anime Sermon, is I read from passages from the writings of Giles Deleuze, and occasionally, and Felix Guattari, sometimes Giles Deleuze on his own. But, uh, yep. 
if you don't like it, um, let me know. <laughs> but uh, I think it's pretty obvious to say that I love the Dragon Ball Super movie. Um, I didn't watch the other two. Uh, I don't think that you need to, necessarily. This takes place after the ending of the TV show, but um, even then, I don't necessarily think that you need to know everything that happened in the TV show to enjoy this movie. So on its own, you can enjoy it. It has its own contained comical narrative that it resolves. There's nothing super tragic, though there is definitely an injustice. And the film, it starts us off with the story of Brawly. And this is like from when he was a child in incubation. Uh, he was supposed to be like some commoner. And he was plit. And the King Vegeta saw that Broly was strong and feared that Broly would. Uh, become so powerful that he would destroy like Saiyan civilization. Really, what, what he means is that he was afraid that someone else other than Vegeta would t get the throne. And so he banishes Brawly, still a child, to this desolate wasteland that's only filled with monsters. Um, Broly's dad goes and rescues, uh, not rescues, tries to rescue him, and they both get stranded. And um, yeah, they spend like 40 years like fighting and training. And, um, yeah, that's their story. But the Dragon Ball story, uh, is, I mean, the, the other part of the Dragon Ball story is, um, Bulma has stole, not stolen, has found six or seven Dragon Balls. They get stolen by Frieza's men. And Bulma was searching for the Dragon Balls, trying to, uh, look five years younger. Because if she looked 10 years younger, then, like, everyone would, like, talk and say, Oh, you got plastic surgery. Ah. Uh, and Frieza is looking for the Dragon Balls in order to look to get five inches shorter. That way it looks like he's still growing um, and is not making too many waves, but so that people stop making fun of his height. And that's a pretty adorable setup. But uh, it ends with them, Frieza finds Broly, takes him to Earth, and six Broly onto uh, Vegeta. Um, and Broly's fighting Vegeta because of his dad. Um, you know, Broly's actually a lot like Goku. And I guess they both have very similar backstories, and that Goku was sent out to, like, a rural, um, under, quote-unquote, underdeveloped planets. Though Goku had humans, and human civilization to contend with. Whereas um, Broly was just sent to a monster world, and he only had the monster. So you have like these different levels uh, and layers of civilization that they go through, right? Like you have Frieza, which is the conquering civilization that conquers the Saiyans, destroys the Saiyans, but the Saiyans would probably be like a bit under. The Saiyans are probably the most like humans, but they're all just warriors. Like they're an entire class of warriors, and all they do is just like fight. And um, conquer planets, and then sell them to the highest bidder. Um, that's actually like a cool, like almost like Viking esque thing. But uh, I guess it's also messed up because they're conquering planets. So I guess it's like I guess it's like you know Nietzsche would love that because he's conquering and they're just being strong. Virtue, arete. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Where was I? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, where, yeah, I think I got to, like, the setup for the main fight, which was the fight between Vegeta and Goku and Broly. Um, Broly goes out of control in this fight, um, and just, like, goes berserk, kind of like, what was her name? Cauliflower, (laughs) um, in the Dragon Ball Super arc, and she, like, and, and, like, he unleashes, taps into all that power that Vegeta's dad had feared, um, and basically, yeah, it's the fight. I actually really like that setup because you have Broly who represents just absolute uh, wildness, and like that's super exciting to Goku, who is known for like innovation, right? And I think it's an interesting to compare the three characters: Vegeta, Goku, and Broly. Vegeta's, like, the most, like, civilized, right? Because he's, like, the most stoic, stern, um, has, like, a very, like, clean style of fighting, um, that's direct and smart. Um, that's what he represents, right? He represents, like, the epitome of the colonizer, um, or the strength of the colonizer. And, um, Goku, who's, like, middle class, basically, (laughs) basically like middle class um but i guess maybe like low middle class you know i guess i'll place them in my social class globe trotting martial artist um wild almost like bruce lee taking up all these different fighting things just wanting to fight all the time um and then you have broly who doesn't actually even want to fight but he's just like super strong i guess he likes sparring and stuff but um, but he's, like, very childlike, right? Like, you have Goku, who's childlike, you have Broly, who's childlike, because they're both, you know, from the periphery of Empire, and then you have Vegeta, who was at the center. Um, and I think that's just, like, interesting. Because, um, part of this fight was that Goku realized he couldn't defeat Broly. Broly was kind of like a Jiren and all those other folks, and that he had to, like, join forces with Vegeta, And so they needed to do fusion. The problem is that they don't have, like, the special ring, and so they have to do the fusion dance, and so Vegeta has to dance. (laughs) And so um, Vegeta being, like, the, like, masculine um, dude. Though, I will say, as an aside comment on, like, saying masculinity, I guess Vegeta and his dad are outliers because, um, yeah, they, like, ah, nah. Now, there is an off comment at the start of the series um, with Bardock, Goku's father, and Bardock's wife, I forget her name, um, but uh, Bardock just, like, grabs Goku and is just sort of like, we gotta Superman him, and, like, Princess Kaguya him away, um, and his wife is just sort of like, it's unusual for a Saiyan man to care about his kid, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, father like son. <laughs> It's unusual for Goku to care about his kids, and I guess they're really playing up that, like, bad dad meme, but, uh, I guess that's, that's Saiyans, but we all know that, like, Vegeta actually cares about his kids, <laughs> so, I guess Vegeta's dad cared about him, but I guess, that, that's, that's power, that's, like, throne, that's throne shit, that's different, but, uh, where was that aside? Yeah, 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 um, I... Got myself off track. I, let me think. I was talking about saying like the dad, jo- bad dad joke, and then 
I was talking about the fight. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the, oh yeah, the my favorite part of the movie, by far, mostly because it's like the most silly, um, is that there's a point in the fight where Broly loses control and just like it's just like brutal violence, um, and Goku uses instant transmission to get away, <laughs> and. They basically, and Goku and Vegeta, like, takes Vegeta with him, and they, like, try to, like, do fusion for, like, a whole hour, because, um, Vegeta's so bad at dancing, he keeps messing up, and they keep messing up the transformation. So it's, like, a whole hour of, like, a dancing, (laughs) trying to get Vegeta to dance. You know, maybe if he was more wild, like Goku, and less upbeat, I mean, uptight, you know, he could, uh, beat Broly earlier. But uh, Broly ain't even really beat by their fusion. Broly's actually, like, um, kind of beat more by uh, Shinron's wish. Is that part of this journey is that Sh- um, Broly makes some friends who cares about him, who was part of Caesar's ar- uh, Freeze's army. I didn't really talk about them because it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, um, they just care about you, Broly. And um, they rescue him and take him back to his world. And, yeah, that's the conclusion of the movie. Well, I mean, Goku goes and, like, gives them, like, fancy houses and stuff from Bulma using their capsule technology, and they become friends. Um, Frieza ultimately chooses to leave him alone because he recognizes that he can't control Broly right now and hopes that the folks who took him away will civilize him, quote-unquote. But, you know, they're going to be friends with Goku, and they're probably going to be more friendly with Goku because Goku just wants to, like, fight and train and, like, give them stuff. So, yeah, that's the movie. It's a great movie. I highly recommend you go check it out. I just, like, spoiled the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, it's also more about the journey. I mean, like, come on, it's like the Dragon Ball action movie. You know you're more watching it just because you want to watch Goku have a good time. <laughs> so, Yeah. As for the virtues to extol, I actually do think it's fair to say that, like, Goku's kind of a cop, right? Like, his whole show is about, like, fighting and training, and, like, that's kind of their path to virtue, right? Like, um, I mean, like, he's a good cop, but he's, like, a chaotic cop, um, that we're supposed to embody. (laughs) And I guess it's not, like, Oedipal, because his father's dead, and there's no, like, struggle against the father, So, I guess that's cool. But I do think it is really interesting how just sort of, like, civilization just can't handle how strong this uncivilization is. Because it's like, we do get to see Broly just, like, really just beat the shit out of Frieza. I'm just like, damn, Frieza. (laughs) And, uh, obviously it would be dope to see Broly fight Jiren. Like, that would be really awesome. And... Yeah. That kind of exhausts my review. <laughs> I don't know. The virtues... If there, if there are virtues, I would say that Goku um, is basically in line with this meme lord I call Warrior Male. Or not I call him, but called Warrior Male. If you don't know about Warrior Male, it's just like this Tumblr, now Twitter dude, or I don't know, someone who posts a bunch of like... Um, basically muscular wrestling dudes and just always post like in all caps like fight 
train, pursue manliness, develop Eros. Eros is developed through fighting. You should train to fight and develop your virtue. And the world would be a better place if every man out there would join a fight gym and pursue manliness. It makes good men. It makes good men like Goku. So you need to go join the gym right now. All right? So that's the end of the review. Go to the gym, you know, fight and train. Become a warrior. And uh, we don't condone violence. We don't fight to kill. You know, we fight to, you know, attain virtue like Goku. Okay? So fight and train. And I suppose we should end this in a prayer. Let's all collectively get up and do a squat. All right, everybody ready? One, two, three. Fight! Train! All right. Thank you for listening to the Daily Anime Podcast. It's been a pleasure. As always, it's me, Jefferson, signing off. If you want to contact us, hit us up on the website, dailyanimepodcast.com. Hit us up at Gmail, dailyanimepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at dailyanimepod, you know, all the social media. We got that. Haha. Anyways, I release you to the void. <laughs>